0: Welcome to Tales from the Polycult, a podcast hosted by two former Metas turned arch nemesis turned best friends. Okay, and here we are again, and our second episode of this season, and it's almost Valentine's Day, so what are we gonna talk about, Indy? We're gonna talk about love. Q Hat away. If we have to. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I figured we would talk about love. I mean, if we're gonna talk about love at any time of the year, I, I figured Valentine's Day would be the
0: time, right? Yeah, I guess if we're gonna be normal, <laughs> I mean, we could pick like a Tuesday in November. <laughs> you know, I mean, whatever. We'll we'll circle we'll so, back Tuesday in November <laughs> to talk about love.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll 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 touch on it again i mean this is a polyamory (laughs) podcast i guess it's right there in the title huh (laughs) (laughs) so i mean so i actually uh, went and and got like the webster's dictionary like definition of love and there's several oh gosh um so one is just strong affection for attraction based on sexual desire or uh, affection based on admiration, benevolence, or common interests. And I think that that's really the definition that we're like kind of looking at today rather than just warm attachment or enthusiasm or devotion. I mean, there is that, like, I love love my computer, you know, like that's, there's that one. But we're not, we're not love of the sea, you know, but we're not talking about of of the about that one we're talking about, you know, love of other people, individuals. Yeah, so. I
0: guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how? No. how do Sorry, you I am, look at love. I am in a part of therapy where I'm having to really sit in my feelings, and feelings are dumb. So it's a great time for this episode. So yeah. Well, right. I mean, it's the positive. Po-
1: we're t- talking about the positive feeling.
0: Yes. Positive. <laughs> no, I mean, of, of course I wouldn't be where I'm at if I didn't really love love. Um, And I guess what, I don't know, there's so many, like, love in every language is, is described kind of different. In some languages, like Greek has, like, I think seven kinds of love. Um, And I think that we've kind of dumbed the word down a lot um or i don't know it just it's used for so many different things i think that language is really lacking yeah but i think the biggest thing about love that i hold on to is that sometimes love is a feeling and sometimes love is a choice and i think that once you understand that concept of love like you've Your your good ways there to really understanding the whole concept. If we even get to understand the whole concept in this lifetime, right? And I really think it's like kind of both, right? Like, yeah,
1: it's both a feeling and a choice. I mean, sometimes you have to really work to act in love towards someone. Sometimes,
0: yeah. So, how do you know when you love someone? (laughs) Oh gosh, like, see, and this is where we're gonna run into like which concept of love we're talking about like I love people in general because I have this fascination with humanity so there is this deep appreciation for everybody's unique experience in life and I think that's kind of what's driven me my whole life is just wanting to understand people um so I mean there's that concept and then there's the concept of how do I know when I want there to be a relationship with someone and I usually tend to just leave that in the other person's court, you know? It's like I can love somebody and not have to have them bend to what I want. I think that I've figured out that when I'm in love with someone is kind of the point in which what they want or what they need out of life, and not like need out of me, but like need out of life is more important than what I would have them do, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. And sometimes that leads to commitment. commitment to some formal relationship, and sometimes that leads to not talking to them anymore. Like, it's just, I think that my true definition of really loving somebody is accepting what they need. Yeah. But I'm also a weirdo, so I don't know. <laughs> what about you? What is your personal definition? Um, you know, I I thought about this, and it's so hard
1: to really like put words into because, like you said, there's several different types of love. There's, you know, love for my friends is a certain type of love, and then there is like romantic love, and then there's sometimes there's those loves that kind of like kind of like go in the middle of all of that that you like they just kind of i guess they're kind of um fluid in a way um so i guess once they kind of start going into that you know love category of any kind really even if it's just as a friend because like you said it's when i start to love someone it's to me what they need is more important than what i want yeah but then there's also this i i My love takes into account who they are Uh as a person at their core. And once I start to see qualities in them that I really value just simply in humanity... Uh-huh. Like qualities that would just, if everyone had them, they'd make the world a much better place. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's where it starts to kind of go into like the love space because I love those qualities about that person that yeah. make the other people around them feel safe and comfortable. Uh huh. And I think the humility and willingness to grow and That kind of helps with the love, of course. Then there's also the people that don't really have that you that you still
0: love. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But that kind of falls into another like difficult category, I guess. But I think that that's when it, for me, that's when it kind of drifts off into the the love spaces. It's um, you see qualities that you really admire in that person that you think would be You know, would make the world a better place if everyone was like that.
0: Yeah, I think that I had a thought while uh, you were talking. And I think that maybe to circle back and maybe tweak my answer just a little bit. I think that how I know that I'm in love is that I realize that I can't not be attached to this person. It's like this feeling of like... I know this could be a bad idea, but I'm going to make it anyway. Like, i our, a our bad choice. I'm going to see it through anyway. Like, I think that whenever my brain just gives up and is like, well, there's, we just, we're, we know we're going to do this, so we might as well just all in for it. I think that yeah. maybe that's when I know that I'm in love with someone. Yeah. Because for me, in my particular trauma, um, attaching to anyone <laughs> is a risk I don't like. Which is really weird to say, considering I have so many relationships. Um, but I am a maskist, I guess. So... S- you know, it's funny that you were saying that because that
1: also like makes me think of just uh, I have a tendency to um, I, I'm very attracted to chaos. I don't know what <laughs> yeah, it <don't> is. Yeah, say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, but like, like I don't know. I why I think it's the free spiritedness of the whole the idea of chaos. You know. Yeah. Just the the lacklusterness about it. Just. Yeah, so I, I watched just today, I actually watched the Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker
0: Oh, my God, I watched it the other day. Did yeah. you? Okay, uh-huh. so,
1: like, literally, we weren't even halfway through, and I was sitting there like, one, why does this remind me of all of my exes? All of them. Yeah. Just combined. He literally looks like one of them from <laughs> my past. And then, two, why am I also in love with him? Right. mm oh no. And then it unfolds at the end and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why is this all of my exes? Why? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, that's another thing that, you know, I wanted to bring up in the podcast is, you know, love can like really like trick you. Like it can really like pull one over on you. That should be obvious.
0: But yeah, I think that i like i definitely feel you obviously we've dated a lot of the same people (laughs) like (laughs) um but i think that it's maybe not a bad quality to kind of just want to see the best of people and want to nurture that i think that Uh that's a really important quality for a lot of us to have um but i mean the, the 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 thing that you need there is boundaries right like you need to have like enough self-worth to know where to draw the line and i think for Uh a long time neither of us had that um and we're getting there but i also think that we're like that because we weren't accepted by our families Uh and we know how hard that is so i know for me personally I always look for the broken toys. I always look for the people who feel like there's something inherently wrong with them that keeps them from being loved because that's how I felt. And Uh I've had to really temper myself with the idea that it's not... Like, not even that I can't save everybody, but it's not my responsibility to save anybody. Like, Uh and that's not changed what I am or what I'm drawn to but it changes like my level of feeling responsible for someone else like I can be supportive and I can be encouraging and I can show someone that they have like an inherent level of worth but I don't have to do it to a detriment right I don't have to hurt myself and I don't have to if my support or encouragement or whatever doesn't drive with a certain person, it's not a reflection on me or them. We're just, you know, Her. not compatible. And that's fine. Like, yeah. it's, it's not any anybody's fault or a failure of anyone. Yeah, that's something that took me
1: a little while to, like, learn to accept. Is yeah. just that sometimes it's not anyone's fault. It's just you're not necessarily compatible with everyone.
0: Yeah. No matter how much you may love them. Yep. You also can't love anybody into not hating themselves, like not even like loving themselves, but like not even like you can't even love somebody into like a, a, a neutral space. I don't think like that has to be it can be a step in them growing or evolving or realizing that they have their own worst, but it's it's 99% on them, right? Like I was going to say I mean it's their it's their journey. Yeah. That's not
1: I mean we're not going to be around for everyone's entire journey. I mean really we're not going to be around for anyone's entire journey only ourselves. So that's yeah. okay.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like the the best you can do is just like, you know, try to be your best self in your interactions with anybody. Like even uh-huh. with like my kids and stuff. Like I'm not around for their conversations with their friends or everything that they like in like ingest into their mind space. Like they're uh-huh. having tons of experiences that I'm not even aware of. Like it you spend if if you're an adult and you have a job, you spend 40 plus hours like away from you know the people in your family or whatever having like a whole section of life experience that they have no idea about like everybody's so individual like everybody's realities are so incredibly individualized that all we're doing is trying to relate to each other and and we're all kind of speaking slightly different languages and there's a lot that sometimes you just don't have the experiences in your own life to relate easily to someone who's had a whole different set of experiences so Mm -hmm. it's all very complicated yes and like that's another thing that i've learned that i've when
1: i reach into that love space it's a with someone it's um my I don't I don't know how to word it. Maybe accepting of their their entire life's journey. Yeah. No matter if I'm going to be involved in that or not.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And and kind of their pain from that is also my pain from that. Yeah. Cuz I want to help with their healing process. And that's also where it gets really dicey.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um because that's where you kind of, that's where things can get really tough. Yeah. And you have to, that's where you really need to set your boundaries and like learn to, um, learn how to love yourself as much as you love other people.
0: Oh, yeah. That was a hard one. I'm, I'm getting better at that one, I think, but yeah. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a tough one. So do you believe in love at first sight? Yes and no, because I'm demisexual and pansexual, so that makes things a bit weird. So, in general, I don't think... I personally don't do that, because while I can tell you if something is aesthetically pleasing to my eye, it doesn't elicit a physical or romantic response, but I think that I do believe in love in first sight in the way that the second someone shows me what I perceive to be their true self I think I can fall in love in that moment so I would qualify that as love at first sight in a way but I don't know like I'm a hopeless romantic in like a bunch of stupid ways and it's so I, I've always had so much feeling that I mean, I brought it up on the podcast two or three times like I, I idolize any character in the world that tampers or tempers excess of emotion with any kind of discipline like the Vulcans or like, you know, that was what I saw and and was like, no, nah, they, they figured it out. I like them, but it's. I'm learning that that's, like, a a fear-based response, I think, because I, I don't know, like, feeling your feelings makes you vulnerable, and being vulnerable when you've been abused or neglected as a child is the last thing in the world you want to do, so uh, I built a lot of my past relationships based on what I could do for other people, and none of it was involved being vulnerable with them, and it's been a learning experience to try to make myself forcibly be vulnerable with people and I don't like it but I mean maybe that's what love is right maybe that's what real love is is whenever like you can be two people can be vulnerable with each other right mm-hmm. yeah I-, I mean it's hard it's hard
1: I don't like it <laughs> I don't like it feelings feelings are rough Yep. I have a hard time grappling with mine. I just, that book that I just, I'm telling you, that book that I just finished, Alice of the Heart. I think I brought it up on the podcast before, um, but it's so good. I finally finished it, and it's just, I highly recommend it to anyone.
0: I started reading it, and Victor, I think, finished it, um, but mine was like a digital library loan, and I didn't make it through it because I'm reading like 11 books at a time because that's how I do me <laughs> unfortunately well, I do the same thing I, t- I treat it like tv shows though right it's like sometimes I'm in the mood for comedy and sometimes I'm in the mood for learning stuff and yeah so there's like takes me a while to get through a book but yeah I have I haven't finished it yet but it was what I had read was things that I intellectually know that's where I was going is that I'm to the point where I intellectually know a lot of the answers and I have to integrate them and actually do the thing instead of think through the thing, so. Right. Yeah, some of it was like uh, I was
1: getting there, but there were some parts that really knowing those things, things like, oh, man, the one that really got me was hubris. <sighs> um, that one was like, oh. Once I actually start to understand a lot of these like more negative responses to emotions and where they're coming from from people. Yeah. It has helped me actually act in more compassion and love towards the people that I haven't really gotten along with in the past. Yeah. Or I didn't think that I would ever get along with because of those problems. But once I actually can point out like, oh, that's just because they're he- their hubris is all out of whack. And that is from probably low self-esteem. So what
0: did you come away with understanding hubris to be? It is like the um, negative side of pride. Um, oh, like... Is it along the lines of like thinking like you you know better or that you yeah. know the answer? Um, It's basically fueled
1: by the need for dominance. Yeah, rather than the need for um accomplishments. Like pride is fueled by accomplishments. Yeah. Hubris is fueled by dominance. So like when you have someone in the workplace who has become manager but they've not really done anything to do that. Yeah. Like and they like act some kind of like way and they treat other employees like Badly because mm-hmm. of their role and they abuse their power, that is hubris. Oh, okay. okay yeah. 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 It's really interesting. Once I realized that, I was like, oh, that actually makes me feel like more compassion towards people that have that issue.
0: That's like, it's crazy how that works. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I realized a while back that like my, my brush with that ended up being control issues in which that. I thought that once I figured out my stuff that it was just as simple as telling people what the answer was and then I didn't realize that my answer was so highly specific to my experience that like sometimes I just have no, it's impossible for me to have any concept of what the right answer would be for someone who has lived an entirely different. Right. Your frame of reference is different. And that's what that did for me too. I, when on
1: reading that, it made me realize times that I have acted out of hubris myself. Yeah. And then it kind of makes you realize more often if you, cause you know, you think about things before you do them. So, like, it makes you really think about the things you might say or do that might be acting out of hubris rather than actually like doing something productive. Yeah or being like a better person about it. So, yeah, really interesting, but that was a that was a random
0: tangent. I think one of the things that I've I've been just talking about understanding emotions is how much of our society is based on shame. Um, yes. And that's a thing that Brené Brown is, you know, that's her whole deal, right? Like uh. Uh, But even like in trying to deal with like my ADHD and realizing I mean I even had a whole few months where I was like am I poly just because I'm like ADHD and like I get bored like and that was like a whole big come apart and then at the end of it I was like no I I still just like people like (laughs) but um I don't know why so many people want to cling to any kind of society that is shame focused that thinks that everyone just needs to be shamed into doing things or being a certain way like that's Uh so pessimistic and so depressing because i grew up like attaching to things like star trek and like then when i got a little bit older and i started reading um specifically books about atheists and just the fact that one of the things that athe- a lot of atheists rail against is the concept that people have to only make good decisions if there's a threat of punishment. And Gillette has, from Pin and Teller, has a lot of books about atheism and how he's a horrible optimist. He believes that most people are inherently good and when tested, will make good decisions and you can take so many instances of history and be like but what about this like but uh-huh. how is that helpful like isn't isn't it not so much more loving and compassionate and and hopeful to just choose to believe that people are good in at the base right right and I think that a lot of self, there's a lot in self fulfilling prophecies, right? To where like if you tell people that people are inherently bad, then like you're you're setting that up to be the reality, right? Right, because they're gonna be like, well, I mean, whatever. It's like
1: when parents, you know, tell their children that they're just like their horrible child or yeah, their horrible parent. Like yeah, it's like you're kind of like. Let's let's put some good energy out there. Let's let's think because it's going to happen. Bad things are going to happen regardless. Yeah. So like you're just kind of like living in that misery and also setting up, you know, these kids are going to grow up to believe that everyone is inherently, inherently bad. And they're going to be like, well, if everyone is inherently bad, then
0: I shouldn't feel bad that I want to do these bad things. Yeah. I don't know. I think we maybe took a little bit of a detour away from love, but maybe not. I mean, I think that maybe just like I said before, like wanting to see the good in people isn't necessarily wrong. Maybe that's another aspect of love. It is. I, I would say it is because, I mean,
1: it's talking about how to love people better. Yeah. In general.
0: I think maybe that's just what we all should do is try to figure out how to love people better. Yeah. So do you wanna do you wanna talk about uh, first loves? I don't even know where what, what if,
1: mine would be. Like, I think everyone's probably looks like a little bit different, you know, because we all kind of learn to love. Like, I wouldn't say that, like, you know, my what my love looked like when I was like in love with a boy when I was fourteen looks the same as it does now. Like, yeah. just learning to love. So, like, I don't know. I thought maybe that could be a fun topic.
0: Oh, God. Um, (laughs) Because, I mean, I have, like, my first quote-unquote boyfriend and my first kiss and all that, but it was, like, it was not even the first... I remember the first... I think I remember the first person I had a serious crush on. and It was, like, second grade. Like, (laughs) and then just was like the way that I was raised and then all the revelations about my gender and sexuality like it kind of calls all those memories into question right like because it's like I wasn't being my true self in those moments but then again that doesn't take away what I was thought I was feeling in the moment either so it's just really confusing for someone who. Feels like the first part of their life was being lived by someone else. Yeah. And then there's all of the firsts that I had once I kind of realized who I was. And those, I feel like, are more authentic. Yeah. So, I don't know. I would have to really sit and, like, think about it um, to figure out what any of my first any things were. What about you? (laughs) Well,
1: I mean, I wanted to like kind of I wanted to make the same point as you kind of. Because like I kind of feel the same way, really. Because it's hard to say that I was really being my authentic self in the past because I didn't really know who I was, right? Yeah. But I like loved these people that I admired still and like I kind of like okay, so my first one was when I was like, I think I was like 12 or
0: 13. Yeah.
1: Like when I had my first big, big crush. I had like little crushes like in school and all. But my first really, really big one was when I was like 12 or 13. And I was just infatuated with this guy until I was probably 15 or 16. Yeah, And I just did not even look at anyone else the same way that I looked at him. And I think <laughs> it, everyone knew it. It was it was yeah. kind of embarrassing. <laughs> <Bad>. <laughs> and if he if, and if he listens, he will know exactly that it's him that I'm talking about. So, so, but anyways, I just and I remember admiring him because he didn't care what anybody else thought. Yeah. He he was very um he was very athletic. Did his own thing. And said whatever was on his mind all the time. And he also had this eye issue, like his, his, he had like um, a lazy eye, which it was different than a normal, like lazy eye. And what I found out happened actually was he had an ear infection when he was a child and it hit an optic nerve in his brain and it killed like the nerves that work that eyelid. So he had this weird lazy eye. And he, but he still was just the clown. Yeah. Like, he still acted, like, he would still pull pranks in the middle of Walmart. Like, he did not care. And I just was just infatuated with that energy. Yeah. And that was something that I really liked. And it took, like, years for me to, like, get past that, which is a whole other story. And I think I've told you this story yeah. before, Jay, but that's a yeah. different, that's, that's a, a different day. Yeah. Um. Mm. Anyways, so that was my first one, and then I like, I I got my first boyfriend after that, and for that one, it was it was the intelligence for me. I just yeah. admired the uh, the quick wit, you know, yeah. and I like that. Um, so yeah, that's just those were the first ones that I really, and of course, my friend that passed away, uh, yeah was also i would consider that a big first too and that one was very much uh the artistic sense i admired and um her like open-mindedness yeah yeah just also that one was intelligence too because she's very very smart
0: well i think that like for both of us i think a, a big draw to who we were first attached to were people who were seemingly living authentically, right? Because I think that's a thing that neither one of us felt we could do. And then I'm going to hazard a guess that the other half of it is probably people who chose us because we didn't feel actively chosen in our childhoods. And (laughs) like, sometimes those two things lead to decisions that aren't maybe the best long-term. Well, I so the first one didn't actually choose me.
1: He, yeah, he didn't choose me until he did. He he did choose he he did choose me later. But that again is another story. But at the time, that wasn't really a factor, and it was very it was yeah. a very heavy it was a very heavy rejection. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he still chose me as a friend. He still talked to me about like everything, and I think that was that would have been more emotionally he like still chose me as someone to like lean on so I guess that was still all within that category
0: so yeah but you know you live and learn and get through all of your trauma and then figure out you have to figure out everything all over again right I was gonna say (laughs) all of our trauma like (laughs) when is that (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't know man (laughs) Like, I think I've got some of it figured out. And then I'm like, oh, no, here's a different manifestation. I just want to say, I think the thing I'm learning right now is don't forget to live your life while you're working on your trauma, right? Like, you're not going to get through yeah. all of it and then get to live your life. Like, you're, you you got to do it yeah. at the same time. Like Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> they because... cannot be separated. And <laughs> in a, in a lot That'd be of nice. it is you have to... A lot of it's only undone by having experiences that counter it, right? Like, right, yeah, you're never gonna get to where you're not afraid to be vulnerable until you trust someone enough to be vulnerable. So, yeah, exactly. It's like, look, my current relationship, yeah, I'm working on that in one of mine too. Like, I even have like current, very long standing relationships where there's a fear of being vulnerable because. Like, there are a lot of different reasons to be in relationships, right? And, like, if you start a relationship when you're very young, like 19, 20, 24, like, you're starting those relationships for a specific reason that you probably aren't starting relationships for when you're 35 or 40, right? Like, Right. So long-term relationships can still have, like, these levels of complicatedness or trauma even in themselves that aren't inherently reasons to not be in the relationship it's just you've created more trauma by trying to deal with individual trauma and now you have to work on that trauma together and that's not Uh necessarily a reason for a relationship to end it's a it's the way your relationship evolves past what it started being right so all relationships are different and confusing in their own way. <laughs> yes, that is true. So, the uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about, and we kind of we've touched
1: on it a little bit here and there, but like the concept of the quote that everyone sees around: "If you don't love yourself, you cannot love others." I wanted to kind of talk about that because I do think, in a way. Like if you're if you're talking in absolutes, if we're speaking in absolutes, if you just flat don't love yourself, I I suppose that could be true. But I don't think that I like really. I had this thought that I just kind of wanted to like share about that whole concept, and I wanted to see what you thought about it. Jay. Okay. Yep. So my thought was. Our propensity to love others, that is the qualities that we admire in others, illustrate the capacity we have to love ourselves. Generally, we are attracted to qualities we value and therefore have within ourselves or spend our lives working towards. So I do believe we can love others more than ourselves, but in turn, loving others teaches us how to better love ourselves.
0: I think that there is definitely room for that. I think that... That's one side of it. Um, And I think that everything is cyclical or like comes in waves, right? Or is like, there's a a balance. I think that some people look for qualities that they wish they had, Mm -hmm. um, but don't believe that they have themselves. Um, I think that one of my exes in particular sought out qualities that they felt they didn't have themselves, but they needed light compassion and kindness and optimism okay and i think that if there's a genuine chance for that to be like a balance right like you both kind of pull each other toward the middle but you still have to be i think your traumas still have to be compatible right like a lot of these toxic relationships aren't so much that one person is bad it's just your your triggers set each other off right and It sucks because I think that maybe we seek out that balance and that it's a lot easier to end up with someone whose trauma mirrors what caused yours or something. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but like it's very easy to end up in a relationship where you're just constantly getting your worst fears realized, right? Because it's what's comfortable and it's what you know. Right. And you're kind of repeating this pattern of like, if i'm just better at whatever i perceive i wasn't good enough at then i can fix this right but like there there's a reason the opposites attract there's multiple reasons the opposites attract um and i think that the thing is is like it has to be a very active and intentional meeting in the middle right like both sides want have to value what the other brings to the table and want to incorporate some of that into their own self, right? Right. So I tend to attach to people that are really embracing levity and humor and play and impulsiveness and like childhood qualities because I didn't have a childhood. But there's two ways that that can go, in which, one, I can become resentful that I'm having to be the one that grounds them, or if there's active participation on both sides of, like, they know they're learning to be more grounded for me, and I'm learning to be less serious with them, and we're working in a middle ground, then that's a positive. Like, we're helping each other, and... I think I've got that going in my relationships right now, but it took a really long time to be able to figure that out and to be able to communicate that and be like, "Look, I'm not saying that you're doing anything wrong, but like what I am saying is we both need to come in from the extremes, you know, like that's where the sweet spot is." Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I think that When it comes to loving yourself, I think that maybe the easiest first step to loving yourself so that you can love other people better is probably something along the lines of, like, don't argue with people who are telling you that, like, you have worth. And um, because that gets really draining, right? Like, if if you're constantly having to fight someone's self-hatred, it feels like no matter what you feel or what you do, it's never going to be enough. Yeah. And a good way to temper that for yourself, if you're that person who doesn't believe what the compliments that you get or that you have any good qualities or that you're any good at anything is like, you don't have to, you don't have to be satisfied with who you are, but just don't talk to yourself in a way that you wouldn't talk to somebody that you loved. Right. Like, I think that's kind of maybe the most important step. And I think that's maybe where that's that phrase started or what it's trying to say is like just don't be an asshole to yourself man like you wouldn't say any of the things you say to yourself to like your child or like your partner or someone else who was having self-esteem issues but like uh, I think that's kind of where that, that that sentiment originates see and that's something that I
1: have tried to like incorporate into like my own life more like my negative self talk. Trying to be a lot better about that, and that was honestly something that had been an issue with one of my past relationships. Was that their negative self talk was so constant, and I, I tried to tell them like, please, like, don't talk about like yourself like that. Like, at first, it was a very like compassionate, loving, like kind of like, come on, like don't don't be like that. But after a while, it is like. It was almost like pushing other people away. Yeah. And it, it gets very frustrating and, and it's, you know, it doesn't do any good to the person saying it either. Yeah. So, like, even if you do feel those things, like, practice, like, saying <laughs> saying loving things to yourself more often. Yeah. Because it does help a lot. And I have noticed a huge difference in my own life just in, like, improving my own, like, self-talk
0: yeah, for sure. Like, I've I've ADHD, obviously, and I'm obsessed. Like, I, I hyper-focus hyper on people and relationships and how brains work. And Me just too. wanting to understand why people do what they do. And it's like, I've read so much and I've looked into psychology. I've looked into different religions. I've looked into, like, witchcraft. I've looked into different Eastern spiritualities, um, different philosophies. And I've really just, I I swear, like, my mantra is that words are magic. Because all of these things, the first step is to focus on intention and words. Like, focus your intention with words. And you pretty much create your whole reality with the words that you choose to describe the things that are going on around you. And I am really really big right now in my daily life of just being like hey we don't talk like that like and it's really important to not let those seeds of doubt get planted to begin with and I'm really pushing like in my daily life to just kind of be like hey, don't, don't put those ideas there to begin with. Like, don't reinforce them. Like, fight, fight them. And it's not a lot for me, but like, if, 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 I'm not gonna say every religion, but if like the majority of human thought eventually comes back to a place where the answer is, use nicer words, like maybe that means something.
1: Yeah, and it it does make a huge difference. The words you choose make a huge difference. Um, As someone who has read like so many communication books, I'm obsessed with the concept of um, learning how to talk to people, especially more difficult people, like the psychology of that. And it's the words you choose make all the difference.
0: That reminds me of like, um, oh, do I want to go down that road? I you Well, there's a the whole thing, like, at the—I'm going to butcher this because I am not good at remembering direct quotes of any sort, but, like, I think that somewhere in the beginning of the Christian Bible, there's that whole, in the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was God, and then eventually you get to God is love, and so, like, why don't you cut out a bunch of those words and get that, um, in the beginning the Word was love? <laughs> <laughs> so— that's kind of where I end up with just about anything that I've looked into is I think it boils down to in the beginning there was love and then everything got a lot more complicated after that. <laughs>
1: yeah, I like that, though. That should be the title of this episode. In the beginning there was In the, there the was beginning love. there was love. Yes, yeah. I like that upset all of the Republican Christians. (laughs) We'll have a whole bunch of people commenting on our podcast being like, what the
0: hell? (laughs) Because that's the thing, right? Look at all the people who have preached, like, love. Loving each other. And then they got murdered. I don't know why that idea is so controversial. (laughs) So are you looking forward to Valentine's Day? Yes, I am. I just... I'm probably going to be
1: working, but you know, I I have the same Valentine for the second year in a row. So that's Ooh. that's nice. That's nice. So, yeah. I I am I I don't know if we're going to do anything. I'm sure he will plan something, but I'm more looking forward to the end of the month when we are coming down to see you guys oh. or coming over to see you guys. I think it's over over but but whatever yeah Yeah. the end of the month i mean i feel like valentine's day is gonna pretty much stretch to the end of the month because that is a valentine's event
0: that we're coming
1: to so yeah for sure yeah um
0: i'm being Polly. it's really hard to celebrate valentine's day on valentine's day anyway because it's like who gets the actual valentine's day do we have a lottery like everyone puts a name in a hat um Because, like, one of my um, partners and I always celebrate Valentine's Day on the 12th for, like, a different reason. We just decided this is ours. Like, so he just took his name out of the hat completely for Valentine's Day. And then it's, like, I don't know. I think maybe I'll just spend, like, Valentine's Day itself, like, with the kids. And then everyone else gets whatever day they're wanting to uh, show our shared commitment some reverence, I guess. Like, I used to be really anti-holidays in general, but as I've gotten Uh back into my witchcraft practice and stuff, and just realizing that oh there's a reason that we pattern things like Uh and there's a reason for having monuments throughout the year if that's not the right (laughs) word but like throughout the year that we're focused on because just chaos is tiring so it's like yes and and words and intentions right so like if like every month if you're following like the lunar pagan or witchcraft holidays there's something every month where you sit down and you think about your intentions for the months and what you could have done better and what you're looking forward to in the next like 28-ish days or whatever so it's like oh there's that intention and effort all over again so maybe I should start paying attention to that and it's okay to like have a day where you focus your intention on a specific part of your life I mean, it really helps with
1: the serotonin and dopamine there, right? I mean, when you can like look back at your milestones and see like what has happened and what you've done and the progress that's made. I found that's what I found for me is like I just need to have those little moments to like look forward to and to look back on and to reset and to refocus and things like that. It really helps.
0: Yep. It really does. Helps with that self-love. That we're supposed to have, I guess. It's what I hear.
1: (laughs) It's what you hear.
0: (laughs) Nah, I'm doing all right. Like, I mean, a big part of self-love for me was embracing that goblin energy and deciding that the rules of man no longer applied to me and I get to (laughs) rewrite it all. Hey, that's a
1: pretty amazing act of self-love, I think.
0: I think so, yeah. It made me be a lot more comfortable in my meat suit because it doesn't have <laughs> to look like a human meat suit and it doesn't have to act like a human meat suit hey me too hey my goal <laughs> is like
1: like i said i don't remember if i said this on another podcast or if i just told one of my friends but i just i i want to i want to look like an alien
0: That'd yeah make that's me more
1: comfortable neat. in my in my meat suit
0: like, <laughs> i mean nobody I want, can can dictate what you've got going on in your own brain right so like if you want to like cosplay every day in your brain right. do it yeah i want people to like take a second
1: like i actually had that not like i like i went into a gas station not too long ago and i have like i don't know if you can see my necklace here you can't see yeah. it on the podcast sorry guys but it's just like this oh yeah like, falcon claw holding like a crystal marble yeah so it came in my dreads but it fell out and it's too heavy so I made it into a necklace well so I was fair. wearing it and I've got like my big long dreads and I don't remember what I was wearing but I went into this gas station and this guy like he like stares at me for a second he's like hey how are you today <laughs> it's a- like he stares at me like trying to figure out me or something yeah. and he was like is that a falcon claw on your necklace? And I was like, yes, it is. And then there was an awkward silence for like a, a solid 10 seconds. And he was just staring at me, like looking at me, like to, he was trying to figure out what I was. And I'm not going to lie. That was kind of the best feeling. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because it's like, no, he's not like hitting on me. He's definitely yeah. trying to like figure me out. Yeah. And I'm like, I like that. And I just moved along. It was pretty great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, there's a difference in in, in, in that. Because in, I did a thing when I was recently in Florida where I went out to just hang out with the people I was visiting. Um, and I wore my scleras and my vampire teeth Uh but like not in a I'm trying to be a vampire way just like casually it was just like yeah like I'm this is just the clothes that I'm wearing today and like I I wasn't like trying to have this energy of like look at me or whatever it's just like this is how this is how I was born This is, like, how decorating my meat suit, like, felt good today. So, like, it wasn't, I'm trying to prove anything. It was just, like, it was, like, putting on a jacket or something, right? It's, like, my favorite energy. And I, nobody really, like, gave a shit, right? Like, nobody was, like, I I can tell, like, I think this, like, three-person polycule was following me around. Like, one of them told me that I was really pretty and my outfit was cool. But like they were like at every store we went to and I'm like, are y'all trying to like get up the courage for like something because like can you like not follow are y'all me? good like are you okay <laughs> but can I help you I mean other than that like that like one of them like the dude in that situation had some serious like I'm I'm trying to prove something with like how I'm dressed or whatnot yeah and like you you get what I'm saying right like there's a difference in like you know, wearing vampire fangs when you're, like, 16. Like, you're doing that for a reason. Like, and I was yeah. just doing it because it felt good. Like, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. was just like, I'm your friendly neighborhood fucking weirdo lady. Like, yeah, and that's kind of the energy that I've been trying to do is, like, I always describe it as, like, Earthly Kit and Ernest Scared Stupid, but, like, not the crankiness part of it, I guess. It's just, like, right, right. I just want to be, like, left alone to live out the fantasies yeah. in my head. Like of Right. Well, like I, I,
1: I just described this to my roommate recently is like I, I like having and this is one of the reasons I like to keep dreads is because it kind of helps to rule out the people you don't really want to talk to. Yeah. Like when you're dressed like that, people that are like really straight laced or really judgmental or anti uh, the queer community, like all of that, they're not going to approach you yeah it when you're dressed like that because it's scary to them because it's different and so they're not going to want to engage with you and the people that you do want to engage with you will yeah because it's going to make those people be like i really like your contacts or those are seriously cool teeth you've got like and that's the types of people that you want to meet and so like I don't know. That's my that's my insight on the whole.
0: Well, there's like another thing, too, right? Where it's like I used to think that people that like wore certain things were I, I had assumptions, right? Like, I don't even there's so many that it like because you're young and you're dumb. And it's like I used to like see the things like, you know, like the very sheer but with, like, fluffy edges. Like, I just murdered my husband. Like, dressing gowns, like, you know, that you would see in the movies. Like, yeah, um, floor length, like, completely ridiculous. Like, you know it has to get in the way, right? Like, how do you put uh-huh. on that thing? And I used to be like, that is just <laughs> so extra. Like, why would anyone do that? And now I'm like, no, I get it. Like, it's because yeah. you don't give a fuck anymore, and you just want to do shit. And sometimes, like, walking around your house in a ridiculous like dressing gown with a glass of wine is fucking fun and yeah you just want to feel like
1: a queen like you want to feel like you own the world
0: (laughs) i think people that are like don't think they like don't think that they can do that are kind of miserable and it's like no like you can do whatever like if you want to wear yeah whatever you want to wear man as long as you don't hurt somebody just fucking go for it yeah And I don't give a shit. Like, I started wearing crop tops in my fucking 30s. I didn't wear crop tops when I had the body to wear crop tops. But then I grew up and I learned everybody, if you have a body, you have the body to wear crop tops. Like, just fucking do it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I own like seven crop tops. I'm wearing one right now. It's winter. Like.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why not? Oh, speaking of uh, aesthetics, I'm seriously thinking about uh, putting more metal in my face while we're over there. At the end of the month so i might be i might be going over to to my folks at against all odds yeah oh. i'm plugging them i'm <laughs> plugging. That's them. fine I, I i've needed more metal in my face for a minute and i can't decide i'm like between a lot of different piercings like it would take me a minute to explain
0: <laughs> you're gonna be completely like blown away because they've they've rearranged they've redone the whole place it's insane oh i saw the pictures yeah I've seen, so I've seen their pictures yeah but yeah all right so we got any other things we want to touch really quickly before we have to go i i think i've
1: covered mostly everything i do want to do my my favorite love quote and it's been oh. my favorite love quote for many years and it's still applies and it has a lot of different layers so it's a quote from uh, Bruce Lee. It's, uh, love is like a friendship caught on fire. In the beginning a flame, very pretty, often hot and fierce, but still only light and flickering. As love grows older, our hearts mature and our love becomes as coals, deep, burning and unquenchable. Yeah, I love that one. I It's not one of my favorites because I feel like it applies literally to every kind of love, honestly.
0: Yeah, for sure. I really, in, there's a in lot. In a different way. yeah. Well, that was neat. And I think this was an interesting episode. I don't know. Yeah. Everyone else should tell us what you think about it. Hit us up on Instagram or the website, email, whatever. So I guess until next time, and everybody have a happy Valentine's Day. All right. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for checking
1: us out. Don't forget to follow us on our socials. Just search Polycult on Instagram and Twitter. That's Polycult, P-O-L-Y-C-V-L-T. You can also shoot us an email at polycultpodcast at gmail.com or just leave us a rating wherever you're listening. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Thanks for listening to Tell Us from the Polycult. This has been Indy and Jay, and we'll see you next time.